What's up, everybody? This is Stick to Football and Connor Rogers, buddy. It is college football season. It's game week. It's actually here. No, I don't count that Hawaii game as college football <laughs> season. The real stuff is here. I'm super excited. We have a fun show this week, and we have a loaded week of shows. Today, Wednesday morning, you're getting a show. Thursday morning, you're getting a show with you and Matt Camp, our fantasy expert. Friday morning, you're going to get a show from me and Mello. I'm pumped. It's college football season. I know you are too. Dude, it's awesome. I can't wait. Week zero, not a ton there. I really like Wyoming's defense. I'll tell you Same. that much. Yeah. That was a lot of fun to watch. Um, but I think week one is going to be an absolute blast because there are so many good matchups. When you look across the board, it feels like more than ever this weekend. And it's kind of cool. I've noticed over the last two weeks, some of our listeners that normally aren't into college football are starting to get, you know, who should I watch? What team should I like? So that's really cool to see. You guys are going to see these players go from the college landscape to the draft. And then obviously, hopefully your favorite NFL teams, Matt, we have a lot to talk about this week. Obviously we're going to continue our top, uh, top 25 impact rookie countdown. We're already at number 10, going down all the way to number six. We have a ton of great draft on draft questions for you guys, but we got, we have to start around the league. There's just a lot going on. There really is. And and this actually our draft on draft this week, I think is the strongest we've ever had. In terms I agree. Of question, questions you guys sent in. So definitely thank you for doing that. But let's start with this college football impact and potential NFL draft implications. Nick Fitzgerald, the, the starting quarterback, Mississippi state suspended for the opener. He, he broke an unspecified team rule, that damn thing, back in March. <laughs> and so new coach, uh, Moorhead, comes out and says, dude's not playing week one. I, I like that you have a head coach who's willing to sit a senior quarterback uh, week one. But for Nick Fitzgerald, I think it's a lot of questions about, okay, what exactly happened? Every scout that goes through Starkville now is going to be asking the same question. Yeah, it's not great. And I remember when we did the quarterback previews, you know, obviously about a month ago, at least it was, I had the ACC and the SEC and I came out from watching the SEC quarterbacks that were draft eligible. So Jake Fromm doesn't count. I thought Fitzgerald was probably the most talented right up there with Jared Stidham. So when you looked at it, it's like, man, the potential is there. He has a lot of steps to take as a passer still, but you like the build, the athleticism, some of the splash throws, although, like I said, still a lot of steps to take as a passer, but he is a senior and he's coming off significant injury this was the last thing you needed because it's a guy that you're saying, hey, if he has a really nice year and develops, he can maybe be a top five quarterback drafted. I don't think that's happening, not just because of this, but it's just it's a bad way to start. And I don't want to make assumptions, but a lot of times these things seem to be drug test related when we dive into what the scouts find out. So, you know, it's just it's really disappointing and obviously a huge loss for a guy that's expected to be a star player. And that's why I said, you know, that the whole unspecified team rule yeah. thing, it's it's never like, oh, he missed a curfew. Exactly. But you're not going to sit a senior quarterback because he came in at 10.05 instead of 10 o'clock, especially in March. Like you said, it's usually a little more ominous than that, but it's something that we're going to have to track throughout the year. I mean, is Mississippi State is a team that uh, I don't think anyone, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't think anyone has super high hopes for, but this is still a talented ball club. Yeah. And it all really did come back to, okay, can we have this amazing defensive line? And then we also have Nick Fitzgerald. So this could be a pretty good year. They are playing Stephen F Austin. So it's not like they're going to yeah, get, of course, I don't think they're going to get steamrolled, 
and it's telling that you know he's getting benched for that game, not the game the week next after that against Kansas State. Of course, but yeah. I think that has the question: Is he going to be ready to go against K State? They might not be a ranked team, but that's always a very, very hard team to play. They're always super physical on defense. That offense is kind of now you consider it kind of hokey because it's so much triple option power run game that could be hard to stop. So it's a big um, game. It, they got to shake off the rust for sure. Uh, and, and having him out for the first week, not only is it, it could it hurt your team, but it's just a bad look. I mean, you're a senior quarterback. You should be a captain. You should be dang near flawless and you're getting suspended for the opening game. So it's, it's a tough look for him. I want to roll right into a lot of quarterback talk this week. And Mello and I on the Friday show, are going to get in a breakdown a lot of these true freshmen that are going to start in the, across the country, but I, I wanted to talk to you. This is crazy. Our buddy, Adam Kramer, who works for BR at kegs and eggs on Twitter. He tweets this out pretty crazy stat from IMG, which is a high school. Uh, every starting IMG Academy quarterback from 2014 until 2017 will be starting at a power five school this weekend. You have Deandre Francois at Florida state, Shea Patterson in Michigan, Kellen Mond at Texas A&M, Art Sikowski at Rutgers, Zach Anikstead, the walk-on that Mello and I talked about last week. Dude's walking, walked on to yep. Minnesota, and he's going to be the starter. So a crazy run for the IMG Academy, which I'm actually old enough to remember when that started, uh, or at least started and kind of hit the national radar. It was like, this is just a football school. That's all this thing is. It's a and super it school. Seems like it's working out. Yeah, it's a super school. I mean, I know somebody that went there about, man, I think it was about six years ago now. And at the time, it wasn't even on that level yet. What it's turned into over the last four is that it's a powerhouse football school that really brings in some of the best athletes around the country. So it's not terribly shocking, but it isn't really interesting. Note Kramer, who's, I think, one of the best feature writers in all of sports media. It's crazy how much talent they had. And some of those guys, the expectations are gigantic. I know Francois is coming back from injury. But that Florida State, the expectation should be high for that team and should be high for a quarterback that's experienced as him. Shea Patterson transferring to Michigan, he's been deemed as this is the best quarterback Harbaugh's had since he came to Michigan. I said it. Yeah, and I don't think it's crazy at all. I think he is by far. But once again, this is the year where Michigan has to get over the hump. Forget being a top 15, 20 team. Get yourselves into the top 10 and have playoff aspirations. So the expectations are high for Patterson. Kellen Mond we saw last year. Obviously, a guy that can do a lot with his legs, and you hope he really continues to grow as a passer. I think when you look at Anikstead, he's one of the most interesting stories in college football. You have to love the walk-on starter storyline. So it's just absolutely crazy. Yeah, and I, I look at the two guys that you mentioned first. DeAndre Francois, coming back from the injury, wins the starting job at Florida State. He is going to get tested week one against Virginia Tech. I mean, that's, that oh. is a tough, tough yes. game. That is a great defense. It's Monday night. Uh, I believe it is that the one that's in Dallas or is that the one that's in Atlanta? It's somewhere different. Yeah. It's yeah. A, it's it, a weird location. A lot of week one games tend to do that. Sometimes. Right. So that game is going to be amazing. Um, and it's going to be a very good test for Francois. And then you mentioned Shea Patterson and I'm guilty of it too. It's like, man, this, this is the best quarterback Harbaugh's ever had and, at Michigan. At least he's a dual threat player. He, he's going to really open things up offensively. Maybe we finally see that Harbaugh offense to, to, you know, a full scale and they have to play Notre Dame. So it's like that there's no walk in the park for those two guys with a lot of hopes and prayers riding on their legs and arms. So it is, those are the probably the guys I'm going to be most interested to see of this group. And then Zach Annex is just a great story. So, you know, hopefully he can live up to that 
Um, you know, being a walk-on true freshman starting quarterback, it's like him and Johnny Manziel. Or like the dude, or him, excuse me, Baker him and May- Baker Mayfield. Oh, oh man. Hello. Oh, what's the same difference? Play, same guy. Same guy. Yeah. Just kidding, everyone. Relax. <laughs> it's like the Spider-Man meme. Oh, my God. Pointing at each other. God. Uh, I'm never going to hear the end of that one. That was so That's good. Great. So That's good. I might great. clip that out and just tag him in it and be like, look what he said. Uh, He'll be on his Arya Stark kill list that he has. Yeah. I asked last week if I could get on the, the RV and he ignored my tweet. So yeah. No, shit. Well, Brad Paisley went on. Was that not the most underwhelming that visit of all time? Really was. Like, Who did he not recognize? Was it Joel Batonio? Yes. Who's like one of the best starting offensive, left tackle, one of the best offense, <laughs> young offensive linemen in football. And he's uh, just like, "Hey, who are you?" <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to kill a guy for not knowing an offensive lineman, but I'm just going to call it like if you reckon, like went to 49ers camp or I went to Jets camp or a lot of camps. You kind of know who those guys are. And it's not like they were just in street clothes. No. Chilling. Like no. they're in their fucking jerseys. With their jerseys. numbers. Like with their name on the back and usually. Like the, Hugh Jackson like <laughs> introduced him like, yeah, he's got something to say to you guys. And I'm sitting there like, let's fucking go. Yeah. Get these guys like light a fire under their ass Jarvis Landry style. And he's like, I've been a fan for a while. Go out there and get it. <laughs> so Brad bad. Paisley. Man. So bad. There's, I feel like there's so many people. You were like Cleveland is this like home of great music and so many great athletes from the Indians and and the Cavs used to have a couple. Yeah, like <laughs> I feel like you could have got someone better than Brad Paisley. And I'm a country music fan. Like, I know, and it I just definitely not... think you could have got someone better than that. Yeah, it's not the best. It, uh, speaking of not great, one more oh. thing we wanted to go through about uh, people always ask us this, and I think it's really relevant now when you look at the flashback picture Jarvis Landry posted of him and Odell Beckham. Why can't LSU develop or hit on a quarterback recruit? And it's this was another great tweet that you had thrown in our rundown from Ross Dellinger. I want to make sure I said his name right. That's his handle as well. LSU's quarterback recruits from high school since 2008. Uh, Matt, I want you to run down this list. It's going to take you forever. It's unbelievable. The lack of luck. That they've had almost, yeah. it seems like. So, so since 2008, first you had Jefferson, four-year starter. Yep. Was lackluster. Yeah, right? it wasn't yeah, great. It just didn't offer much. Then Shepard, who was supposed to be the, the the dude, the savior, position change. He ends up playing wide receiver. Uh, Garrett, transfer. Yep. Lee, played baseball. Randall, <laughs> transfer. Rivers, transfer. Liggins, didn't qualify. Jennings, transfer. Reddick, transfer. Harris, transfer. McMillan, transfer. <laughs> Scott, transfer. Narcisse, transfer. Brennan is a 180-pound backup. Holy shit. Oh my. I mean, and the thing that <laughs> the reason we bring this up is because like if they figured this out, which hopefully this year they did, it, LSU would be in the national title hunt every year. Right. They're loaded on defense every single year with first and second and third round picks. And they always have talent on everywhere at offense except quarterback. And what's amazing, I know we've said this so many times. They had Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr. and Jeremy receiver. and Jeremy Hill in the backfield. Jeremy Hill in the backfield and well, a good offensive Lyle line. Lyle Collins was and on they that. They still weren't line. any good. I just, so. <laughs> I mean, holy smokes! It's, it's wild, man, to think about. Uh, just and it's funny. Like Ross is one of my favorite beat writers in the country. We we talk. It feels like weekly during the season because he he knows that program. And if I need answers on a player he's got it so definitely a worthwhile follow he's over at sports illustrated now uh doing college football for them but that list just makes you like oh i want to do one for texas 
but I don't want to cry today. So maybe yeah, I won't. Let's save the tears. Then <laughs> it, it brings it, you know, up a really relevant point. LSU and Miami is a week one game. It's a Sunday night game. That's right. But how insane is that game going to be? And it really can like, cause if LSU wins, the narrative turns to LSU is back on the playoff map, not the 25th ranked team in the country. They are back on the map. Mm-hmm. And if Miami loses in the ACC with all those good teams, it's like, man, kind of knocks the wind out of you right out of the gate. But if Miami wins, they kind of meet expectations and we're sitting here with LSU again. Like, man, when is LSU going to get over the hump? Right. So I think and that's I one of the most Miami's overrated. So it's going to be interesting to see if they play up to that top 10, the, the turnover chains back. So I guess that's it, but they got a good uh, secondary too. They do have a good second and they have pass rushers out the ass. Linebackers. It's just, <laughs> it's just, yeah. Jack Their defense is They probably have man, uh, Clemson and Ohio state. And Michigan have really good defenses. They're up there. I, they're a top five defense in terms of talent. Washington's really good too. But yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch. That's gonna be a good test for LSU. Week one against that Miami defense. Uh, I I have already told everyone I know that from Saturday morning at nine a.m. until Monday night when that game ends, yep. don't talk to me. Nothing. Like, just leave me alone. <laughs> I don't think I'm gonna leave my apartment at all. My parents no want me to go to. down the shore before like the real football season in their eyes starts like, oh, we'll never see you. And I'm like, eh, you're kind of too late because I can't leave this weekend. There's just so many good games every single day that can really dictate how this college football season is going to go right out of the gate. All right, now we got to continue our top 25 impact rookies countdown. We are already at number 10. It's been a fun countdown. If you missed any, just go back to the last couple Wednesday shows We got 25 all the way down to number 10. Number 10 for me is Josh Rosen. And I know a lot of people are thinking here, he's a guy that's looked great in preseason, but he's not going to start. Sam Bradford is the entrenched starter there, an offensive line that's definitely struggled a bit at times. And that's why I think Rosen's going to have an impact this year. I do think he's going to play. Bradford has a very serious injury history, and I'm excited. I I think Rosen is a guy that's going to thrive right away. I know this is a team that's going to struggle a little bit. They're kind of in a bit of, of a retooling phase. But Rosen with uh, David Johnson and Larry Fitzgerald, I think he's going to be one of the more impressive rookie quarterbacks when he gets on the field this year. Yeah, he's he's dealing with a, a hand issue of his own, right? So we got to yeah. get him on the field. But I'm with he you. Has the there's, time. there's no way Sam Bradford's going to play 16 games. No shot. No way. And like, Mike I, Glennon, come on. Yeah, come on. Yeah, get out of here. So I, I'm with you. I think Josh Rosen's there. He, spoiler alert, did not make my list just because I... You know, it's one of those things that he might play four games. So number 10 on my list, Mike McGlinchey, right tackle, San Francisco 49ers, rocking that number 69 jersey. Love He's going to have an impact because he is a day one starter. They drafted this kid and said, you are starting for us at right tackle. They've plugged him in and he's looked good in the run game. I actually yesterday rewatched their game against the Colts and thought, man, this, he's really standing out. He looks good. Uh, I think he's going to really help that offense take off. So McGlinchey, who... When he was drafted there, I thought this guy is not a top 10 player. But when you're drafted for a role, and it's just like when Jack Conklin went at eight, it's like, okay, you are such a good fit for what they're going to ask you to do. It increases your value. I really liked him as a draft pick, and I, I think he's going to be one of those under the radar. He's not going to win rookie of the year playing right tackle. But if the Niners make a playoff run, he's going to be a major part of that. Without a doubt. And he was part of a Notre Dame offense that was so good as you know a run-blocking unit. And the guy can pass protect. And I think his rise is kind of weird because coming out of last summer, like, oh, McGlinchey seems like a top 15 guy. 
and then it seemed like he had fallen into more of a top 40 kind of guy. There was some current concerns about just overall play strength. I think the Georgia game, the Miami game, the Miami game, those games kind of really opened eyes. Hey, this is where he struggles. Still goes obviously top 10 and has looked really good. So it's, I think it's a really smart pick. All right. Number nine, sticking with quarterbacks, not that much of a homer pick. I think nine might actually be lower than what a lot of people have. (laughs) Sam Darnold, Sam Darnold is going to start week one, Monday night football at Detroit. Sam Darnold is the guy for the New York Jets, and he's the only one out of all these rookie quarterbacks that we know is starting. It's guaranteed. No matter what Todd Bowles tells the media, Darnold is the starter, and he's played very well. I mean, you know, his first start, which was week two against Washington, just okay. Week three against the Giants, the guy led two scoring drives, and he's been everything the Jets wanted and more, and I think he's going to have a huge impact across the board this year. So it's going to be fun to watch Sam Darnold because – like I said, and maybe Josh Allen. Those are the guys we get right out of the gate. Well, Sam Darnold has not made my list yet. Okay. So wait and see. Wait. It's and good see, when you're buddy. higher on a jet than me. It's yeah, always it good has for the to brand. be that way. Yes. It has to be that way. Number nine, I went Minka Fitzpatrick. Kind of a forgotten guy so far, right? Like so far in this preseason, Murray. all the hype has been about Saquon and the quarterbacks. Minka Fitzpatrick, I thought was one of the five or six best players in last year's draft. So the role that he has, is going to play, I, I think we're still is still defined. The Dolphins need him to be an impact player right away. And I, I remember talking to someone there, man, it was uh, right after I got back from DC. So like mid July. And they were like, we, we have a plan for this kid and it's, it's good. Like it, it's going to be, it's going to be uh, a very important role in this defense of how he's going to be able to match up. And I don't, I, the preseason games I've watched, I have not been disappointed. I don't know. Like, it's, it's been good. You watch a Minka and you're like, dang, looks really good. And, I do want to shout out while we're talking about the Dolphins, Jerome Baker, their linebacker has also looked very yes. good. They're both going to be starting in that on that defense. So we could see a, a very, very big impact from two rookies on that defense. But Minka is like, somehow we forgot about this dude and we shouldn't have because he has looked very, very good. Yeah. Sometimes when you're just rock solid in the secondary, you don't get the same love that the other guys get the rookie right. quarterbacks and running. Minka's going to be a star though, man. He yes. Is. He's going to be a star. I, I'm with you. And spoiler alert, he's a little further down the list, but I will get to talk about him today. Number eight for me, Calvin Ridley. I think it's hard when a guy is really not penciled in as the number one wide receiver right away, the kind of impact he can make, but with the kind of attention that Julio Jones draws and what you think could be a passing offense, Ridley should have an impact right away. He's a great route runner. He's always going to gain separation. You know, Matt Ryan can find him. And I think this is the true number two that the Falcons have needed. Yes, Mohamed Sanu has been okay. You know what? He's been fine. They have really good running backs. But when you get a threat like Ridley that can expose one-on-one matchups, it can really change the versatility of your offense. It really can. And he was, you know, a little bit lower on my list, but I I do think that he is a, an impact player, you know, who, whether it's who knows what's going to happen with Julio Jones long-term, I I think they saw him as someone who's going to be the future of the offense, but he's still going to get his, I mean, this is still an offense. that's going to throw the ball a ton. I I I think they really like Austin Hooper at tight end. You mentioned Sanu as the other receiver. I still think Calvin Ridley could have a major impact. Even if he only has 50, 55 catches, the impact could still be very big. And number eight, I went defense again. I'm, I'm going almost all defense on my list this week. Denzel Ward, the corner for the Cleveland Browns, was the number four pick in the draft, which was a little bit of a surprise, I think. But yeah. uh, we all sat back and thought, oh, well, we, we had heard this might happen, and it's happening. So I, I do think Denzel Ward, 
Um, it's someone that <laughs> Greg Williams isn't real happy with some some of the times, but he's uh, insane. <laughs> uh, he is insane. So uh, that's going to be. I think that's actually supposed to be on. Is, that might be on Hard Knocks on Tuesday night. So um, he, he's got to tackle a little bit better to keep Greg Williams happy. He is a little banged up right now uh, with some back spasms, but I think Denzel Ward can be a special player. Uh, he he is the best corner on that roster, and they're going to need him. I mean, you got Antonio Brown, you got AJ Green. There are some very good receivers in that division. They need him to step up and be an impact right away. That's why you draft him at number four. He was a player we both loved coming out of Ohio State. So I, I think he can be a, a very, very good player right away. Yeah, I mean, I remember when we saw him at Rutgers, he was the guy I think me and you talked about the most in the press box. Just the speed, the length for a shorter corner. He has such good length. His ability to play the ball, you know, his click and close, everything about Denzel Ward was he checked all the boxes. And I think when you hear Greg Williams' comments about his basically idiotic tackling is what he said, it yeah. almost shows you how important Denzel Ward is to Greg Williams. This is why they took him instead of Bradley Chubb. This is a defense they felt needed shutdown corners. Greg Williams bangs the table for shutdown corners, and he needs this guy on the field, not getting hurt tackling. He needs him dominating in coverage, and hopefully the ball staying away from Denzel Ward. So I did think that was a really like petty thing to get pissed about. Though. I agree. That tackle. He, he tackled a tight end. <laughs> right? Like, And he's, he's a smaller framed guy like if a cornerback hits a it's just insane this is football i don't know how he wanted him to trip him i guess i don't know greg says things sometimes like kill the head yeah Yeah, like who who is gonna (laughs) kill off who first between greg williams todd haley and hugh jackson like the quiet mediator in the middle Oh my God, that's a Hunger Games, right? That I want to watch, <laughs> and I do Who's want Todd Haley versus Carl Nassib, but that's another conversation Same. for another day. Definitely want that. To- Toad Haley. <laughs> so <laughs> number seven is Carry On Johnson, and I think if I made this list before the draft, there's no chance in hell Carry On Johnson would be in the top right. ten. And you look at it's isn't it funny, Matt? Like what situations do for how we project players. And that's what I think one of the hardest parts about our jobs is we can talk about a player for days, but when you go to Detroit and I've done the whole rant on their thousand yard rusher situation, it's the last one was Reggie Bush before that. It was like 10 years before that carry on. Johnson's got to be the guy eventually. And I know Matt Patricia loves LeGarrette Blunt, And I know Theo Riddick is a really, really underrated pass catching back in this league. But at some point, you need a three-down workhorse that carries the rock and is your 1,000-yard guy. And you've invested picks into the offensive line. This is the guy. And if he doesn't finish as one of the most top 10 most impactful rookies this year in fantasy and away from fantasy, I'd be shocked. Yeah, I, I agree, man. He, I did like him coming out of Auburn. He was like a little banged up and stuff, but... Uh, and then you, he goes to Detroit, and like you said, it's like it's one of those. Oh wait, can I change my grade? Because right? it's just such a perfect role. And like, I mean, that's what I was saying about McGlinchey. Sometimes guys get drafted, and you you're able to see the role that they're going to be placed in, and you think, shit, they're they're perfect for this. They can be really really good. And I think Carryon Johnson is that guy. And um, my friends and I just had our fantasy football draft uh, what Sunday night, and I I got asked so many times about Carryon Johnson. What kind of, is he the dude? What kind of role is he going to play? You know, how many touches is he going to get? Because you have Matt Stafford and a pretty good offensive line, and now you have Karen Johnson to the mix. Uh, it, it looks it looks like it could be very, very good. 
One guy I think is going to be very good in a perfect situation. My number seven player, Rashawn Evans, playing linebacker for the Tennessee Titans. Helps that he has a guy by the name of Mike Vrabel teaching him how to play Not linebacker bad. in the NFL. Evans is is going to get thrown into that mix. They are hurt at the linebacker position. And he's but finally back. He's finally back. And I think the one thing they got missed with him in the draft last year was that he is so damn versatile. So you think ah, middle linebacker from Alabama. And a lot of times those guys get typecast as kind of thumpers who can't move. Rashad Evans can move. I mean, he could play coverage. Yep. He actually could rush a little off the edge. He is a prototypical middle linebacker for today's game. And I think he's going to have a massive impact. Like if he doesn't have a hundred tackles and a couple sacks and probably a pick, I'm going to be disappointed in his season because he is in such a great position to, to succeed. And I mean, he should be beating out Will Compton for that yes, starting inside yes. linebacker job. So I, I think we're going to see Rashawn Evans very, very soon uh, now that he's back on the field. And, and I expect big things from him. Yeah, I'm right with you there. Cause I think when you look at obviously the situation, you know, there's a great opportunity for him there. And each year in the draft, we always have guys that are our favorite players. That doesn't mean they're the top 10 best players. And I think for me, Rashawn Evans was one of those guys where he probably sat at like 17 to 20, something like that for me in the rankings, but he was one of my favorite players. He was athletic in pads. He's physical. I thought he was smart. So I'm, I, he's a guy that is going to be padding stats and it's going to be real life production on the field. So, all right, to close this thing out, a guy you had just a couple spots ago, Minka Fitzpatrick at six for me. We don't have to get that far into it again, but I love what I've seen out of him covering out of the slot for Miami. I mean, the slot, the nickel defense is almost a base defense in the NFL now where that position matters so much. And Minka is a obviously a bigger nickel. He can come downhill and play the run. He can run downfield with receivers, tight ends, and running backs. Really excited to see what he has in store with his Dolphins career taking off. Yeah, love him. Like I said earlier, can't wait to see what he does. Finishing it out for me, a player that took a little while to get on the field, but Roquan Smith, Chicago Bears, um, as long as he's healthy. And I, I did read this morning, he's dealing with a little bit of a hamstring issue, but I, I uh, we both loved him. Uh, he was the best linebacker in the the draft in terms of coming in and being able to play right away. As long as he can get on the field and stay healthy, I think he is a candidate to be defensive rookie of the year. And he's just that kind of player with his speed, his instincts, his toughness, uh, everything. He's the total package as a Mike linebacker prospect. So um, it, it's unfortunate. You see a guy hold out, they get in camp and they have a hamstring issue. Like that's maybe the most predictable thing in the world is, oh, you got a soft tissue injury after a holdout. And uh, you guys can place the blame on wherever you want on the player or the team or owners, wherever, wherever you think it, it belongs sucks for everyone. It, it does suck for everyone when your top eight, number eight pick in the draft finally gets to camp and then gets hurt. So uh, it's something they're going to have to watch and monitor and, and hopefully figure out. But I, I do think that he could be a special player. Right, I teased it at the top of the show. I think this is the strongest collection of draft on draft questions we have ever had. If you're a new listener, draft on draft, well, the idea used to be we would pop open a beer and you could ask us questions until we stopped drinking. Uh, now, Connor and I record at nine in the morning, so it's a little harder to do that. But, but Sunday, the idea remains the same. <laughs> Sunday nights for the Monday show, all three of us are drinking. Uh, yeah. Yep. So you'll hear, absolutely the pop, the plan. you'll hear the pops yeah. topped for that. All right. Yeah. We got a ton. So let's kick this thing off. The first one from Patrick Chamberlain. And just a reminder for you guys, you could send these on Instagram. You could send them on Twitter and you could send them on the subreddit, which has been absolutely awesome. So keep firing away, especially as the season ramps up. Which NFL second year player who underwhelmed or failed to live up to expectations as a rookie last year, do you think will take a big step forward this year? 
I hope it's Quincy Wilson, my guy for the yes. Indianapolis Colts. They need him to. Like, they need him to step up and be that corner that we all thought he could be coming out of Florida. And his situation is even weird to me because I don't quite understand where the where the break is like why he's not getting on the field. They is needed it him mental. <laughs> is it physical? Is it like, yeah, I don't, I don't quite understand it. So that is the one for me that like, I think he has to really step up. And I would say even Gary and Conley at corners, another one, that dude was a first round pick missed a year with shin splints. And like the Raiders need him as well. So he's got to get on the field and make something happen too. Yeah. For me, it's Mike Williams. I, I think when you look at, this is a player, I, I don't want to be shy about it. I really liked coming out, and I think when you talk about looking for a dominant player that high points the ball and fitting in the offense with Phillip Rivers, if the injury history is behind him, this is a guy that should be an impact player. It's as simple as that for me, and you see the touchdown that Geno Smith actually threw. When it comes down to it, such a disappointing rookie year for both him and Corey Davis and I liked Williams more than him, and I like his offense more tailored to him, I expect him to bounce back, or at least I'm really hoping he does. Yeah, and I was going to mention Corey Davis as another one of those guys who we saw glimpses, very small glimpses of him last year, and the expectation is both those guys can figure it out this year. Um, And we'll see with Corey. He's got a new offensive coordinator there, Matt LaFleur, and hopefully the offense opens up a little bit. Uh, Next one from Jordan Polakowski. How do you see the guys replacing college football's biggest stars doing this year? Guys like Miles Sanders at Penn State or Kyler Murray at Oklahoma. I like Miles Sanders a lot more than I like Kyler Murray. I I knew that was coming. (laughs) I'm so skeptical about the Kyler Murray hype just because he's like, and maybe this is me being too much of an old school football guy. He's tiny. And when he's played, he hasn't done anything. So I just want to say everyone like worships Lincoln Riley and that's cool. And, Maybe he will end up being the next Bill Walsh or Sean McVay or something. But as of now, I want to see it without Baker Mayfield. I, I want to see how good they actually are without Baker back there just being magical. So uh, I don't have high hopes for Kyler Murray at all. Uh, I think Miles Sanders, though, at Penn State is is definitely someone who, I mean, when given opportunities last year, was really impressive behind Saquon. Yeah, I, I can't wait to see him. I think also for me... When you look at this, Dwayne Haskins taking over at yeah. quarterback for Ohio State. I know we we shit on JT Barrett a lot on this podcast, and it's not intentional, but it's more so Dwayne Haskins opens up that offense so much more. That's a good football team. I thought Haskins should have started last year, so I'm excited to see him this year. And the team is so good that I have expectations for him to be a potential star. On the defensive side of the ball, I think Brian Burns and Levante Taylor for Florida State We always get so used to top 50 players year after year on Florida State's defense. I think these are the two guys this year that fill into that role. When you look at Burns as a pass rusher, Levante Taylor as a playmaking shutdown corner, I'm excited to see them turn into the next FSU star. So those are three names that you haven't heard a ton throughout college football yet, but I think you're going to hear a lot this year. I I just, I'm going to cheat. Can I, can I, yes, please do keep going. Uh, Nick Bosa. (laughs) <laughs> oh really i'm uh, shocked uh, there you go and and chase young those are the two guys that uh, i think are you know that a lot to replace on that ohio state defensive line uh those i think God. those two guys would be pretty good yeah they might be we'll see we'll see how that They're plays pretty, out but, you know, i mean they weren't starters last year so not technically te- not technically so i mean bosa has starter production 
Right. So <laughs> already he's, yeah. he's been killing it. So, all right. This one from TS Browning on Reddit. Do you all think there will be a division conference realignment in the NFL to make the AFC more competitive? No, I don't. No, I, I actually, I am the like, biggest nerd in the world and I love expansion drafts. And a, a couple of years ago, I was messing around with like, some of the guys at the NFL office was like, Hey, can we get an expansion team? Like just one or two. Like, and they were like, why would we ever do that? Like, number one, we could barely find 53 good players for 32 teams. True. Like number two, it's perfect right now. We have four divisions of four teams. Like it's, it's the balance is so amazing. So I don't think they would, even if you're just talking about, okay, let's take the Rams and put them in the AFC and we'll put the chargers in the NFC. Like you, you mess up too many like rivalries and, and tradition. And for the AFC teams, there's still that connection back to the old AFL. And that's like a badge of honor. Like if you go to a chiefs game, I mean, you're still going to see mention of the AFL and that they were a founding team on that side of it. So I, I don't think that it will be And the NFL also prides itself on the idea of, you know, parody that next year you could be great. And it, you can look at the teams in the NFC that are stacked right now. I mean, the, the Eagles had the number two pick in the draft three years ago. The Rams had the number one pick in the draft three years ago. And now those teams are, are looked at as being very, very strong. So I don't think anything like that would ever happen. Yeah, I don't think so either. And I think let's let's be fair. Like, I'll say the NFC is by far and away better. But like you said, Matt, the most important point is parity don't sleep on the AFC getting better in the next two years. The Jaguars might have the most complete roster in football. Uh, you know, I right. I don't think they have anything at quarterback, but complete roster in football. The Texans, if they can stay healthy, have so much talent. I think the Chiefs can be on the rise with Pat Mahomes, depending on I mean, what the he Patriots and Steelers win 10 games every year. Yeah. So. And the Browns are finally turning it around. They probably need a new coaching staff, but they have a really uh, up and coming roster. So, yeah. And it's the ice age. The jets might've found a franchise quarterback. So let's wait and see how the AFC looks two years from now. There will not be a realignment, but it's an interesting conversation. It really is. Uh, one more quit. Uh, one more. Jeez. I can't read one more question from Reddit. Roman Thomas off. Let's say Byron Murphy and Taylor Rapp both enter the draft. Who gets picked higher? Byron Murphy is a corner redshirt sophomore at Washington. Taylor Rapp is a, a junior safety. Both are very good players, man. I would say probably, Byron Murphy. Okay. By nature of position value. Like corners are a little still more value than safeties. And like Murphy, I mean, he still needs to show it over a, I think a bigger stretch. I think, you know, he had a, a dominant small amount of time last year, if I'm remembering right, without my notes in front of me. Um and then I just have questions about his size. Like he's he's a little skinny. And I mean Denzel Ward just went forth. Kevin Johnson was a first rounder a couple of years back, but that is something that, that still has to be figured out. Uh, and I love watching Taylor Rapp play football. I think it was you that tweeted, like, I'm just going to sit and watch Taylor Rapp hits for the rest of the day. Oh, it's great. But it makes you question, with the new league rules, what is the value of a physical safety? Yeah. I, it's scary. Like, the position itself. I mean, I root for a team that just took one sixth overall a year and a half ago and one in the second round. Now, Marcus May is, does a lot more in coverage, and Jamal Adams has been fantastic in the box. But And they're both fantastic football players. And Derwin James has already been great for the Chargers in preseason. But my question is, how high will this... It's not a talent question. It's, like you said, a positional value question. 
So it's going to be a really interesting year because Rap has been great. And it's going to be really interesting to see how the NFL values him. Yeah, it is. And like, yeah, I mean, the safety position, you can you can be like Jamal Adams. You could be a top two or three player in your class. You're not going to go there. You know, safeties just don't get drafted in the top five, no matter how good you are. Um, we even heard that like back when Jalen Ramsey was coming out. Some teams thought he was a safety. They were not going to draft him top five. So positional value really does factor in when you're looking at who's going to go higher. All right, the next one from our guy, Antha Oreo, who's actually courting college football fanhood it. offers right now. He got like 11 replies from diff- That's the thing about, I'm not saying NFL fans aren't passionate, but college fans, they are really passionate. They want you on their side of things. So we got we to put the question on here so it gets even more traction. As a guy that does not follow college football even a little bit, Give me a couple suggestions for a team to start following. I'm from California, but have no preference for state, preferably not one of the powerhouses, Alabama, for instance, but maybe not a bottom feeder team. (laughs) I saw Mello actually recommended Stanford to him. And that's who, if I were from California, that's who I would root for because it's not USC. It's not UCLA. I would just feel dirty about being a fan of those teams for some reason, but it's prestigious. (laughs) Oh, really? They're not great, but they're good. They, I, I think Stanford is who I would go for. I, think, I mean, like, yeah. who else in the Mountain West? You're not going to, like, you a BYU no, fan? No, I, I can't even say Washington because they're a powerhouse now. I mean, they feel right. like one. It's If you're going to go West Coast powerhouses, you, Washington is where you probably start or one of the teams you start with. That's a tough one. Well, let's let's eliminate the easy ones who he should not root for. Do not root for Notre Dame. Do not root for Texas. Do not root for... Michigan, Michigan, Ohio State, Alabama, Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson. Well, you're a little late to get on the Wisconsin bandwagon. I I keep saying it. I think Boston College is going to be fun this year because I like that one. They're going to run the shit out of the football with a great running back, a great offensive line. They have a good defense. I, I think Boston College will be fun. Uh, I know I'm just like killing everyone the fun schools but don't <laughs> right. root, don't root for no miami florida state no miami florida state which i just got my credentials approved for i will be at nice. miami florida state so hopefully those you know that's going to be really cool I, but you know don't root for them you need someone like a little a little new and trendier than that lsu is awesome so you got a lot of options and right. we're As throwing a them texas out. fan i would say my number two school would be mizzou but i'm from missouri so it's but the uniforms are cool it's a beautiful campus yeah um, I, or Virginia Tech or Nebraska would also be up there. Like if if the University of Texas shut football down tomorrow, once I came out of mourning, those would probably be the three teams I would consider. Oh, and Nebraska, this is a great time to get in. Right, Scott Frost just got there. It's only only up from here with Nebraska, and they have like a great tradition. They have sick uniforms. Lincoln's a great town, so. Uh, I, and then Blacksburg's just Blacksburg. That should that. that should be our iTunes reviews this week. Sell your school. What what team should Ant be a fan of? This is a big decision. Really, I mean, yeah, this is a lifelong decision. This is more important than like getting engaged. This is That's... the stick to football. The decision. <laughs> we'll we'll we should let Ant announce his team decision at some point. He should just record it. Yes, I like record it on your phone. Send it to me, and we're gonna we'll put it on the show. That's so perfect. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. The next one from Cody Solstice. Who is better going into their junior year, Nick or Joey Bosa? 
Wow. Okay, so here's my this feels wrong, but uh I think it's Nick. I really do. Me too. I, I just I think he's a little more athletic and I think he's a little smarter in terms of technique. Some of that is just, you know, because he's got big brother who's probably helped him out a little bit. He's learned some things from watching him. Obviously, their dad and uncle both played in the NFL, so there's no no shortage of pedigree there. I, I just I see Nick and I think, gosh, just a, there's a little more twitch there than there was with Joey. And not to take anything away from Joey Bosa, like he was it was awesome. He was a very, <laughs> very great prospect coming out. It was almost like a no brainer. I, I just see Nick as a little bit better. I think Nick is a better prospect than Bradley Chubb. Oh, yeah, I agree. I, like, and Bradley Chubb was just projected into the top five. Now, I, I think Nick, he's not Miles Garrett. Nobody is. Miles Garrett was a special player. Von Miller was a special player. Still your highest graded non quarterback, right, Matt? Right. Yeah. Still is, yeah. I mean, so, but Nick Bosa, I think, is a special prospect. And Joey was great. Bosa could be special. That's the difference. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, he could be he could be up there with yeah like the Von Millers and Miles Garrett's of the world. So great great question though I love that. Uh, right, we're gonna close this out with two questions from our buddy Sylvester Valderrama. That's how fucking good of a listener he is. <laughs> and this one uh, we should have prepped for. Maybe, maybe Mello and I will answer this on the Friday you show should. as well. What's the one thing that the stickies don't know about our co-host? Wow, I could go on for days about this. It's just a matter I should have got them approved. Right. That's the thing. I don't, I'm sitting here thinking of like everything I know about you that I probably can't say. Uh, okay. I got one and, and whiskey can cut this if you don't like it. So we'll go with that. Uh, my stick to football co-host after the draft one year went out and fell asleep with his boots on at an apartment that was not his. <laughs> and then had to show up at work the next day, the next day in yeah. those clothes. That was a great night. That was, and the, oh, wow. That was earlier times, like yeah. much, much earlier times. Yeah, that's a really good one. Uh, here's one. I think I've told this one, though. Matt, the first year I ever went to the Senior Bowl, Matt puked on the side of the road on the way to the first <laughs> practice. The first practice. I was like, oh, so this is the Senior Bowl. That, yeah. that was a good one. Oh man, I I see. I can't go any. I can't go any further. I know. It's I can't. Like, oh. I have like so many good ones, and I'm like that tiptoes the line. That tiptoes the line. I don't right. want. I don't want to piss off whiskey. I don't want to piss off Jesse. Right. We just got some new sponsors. I don't want to lose. Yeah. So. That is. <laughs> That's good. Uh. Yeah. If you ever come to a stick to football meetup, you'll get the real stories. Yes. And you might see me throw up in an AutoZone bush. You know. <laughs> God. Oh. And the best was you were like you had the full sunglasses and Advil look at practice. Oh yeah, like just, and everyone's like coming up because it's the first practice. Yeah. Everybody's coming up like, hey ma'am, and I'm just probably reeking of booze and like, uh, and, and some of those people. That's the only time you see them all year. Right, it's the Senior Bowl. It's like an annual, so people are excited. I'm pretty sure Daniel Jeremiah went home and prayed for me that yes. day. Yes, yeah, like, oh, I remember that exact interaction. <laughs> Oh my God! What's up, man? Hey, ugh, ugh, goodness. Yep. Well, Sylvester, we're not going to forget about your second question. I do want you to bring that one up to Mello, though. On the, yeah, I'm going to because you guys sure. probably have some good childhood stories too. Yeah. So, just... all right, the second one. If you can only recommend one game for Week One of college football to someone, which game are you picking? I I'll stick with Miami LSU. That's a great one. There's going to be a lot of talent on the field. It's going to be a Monday night 
in at Jerry World, so it's going to be like the full pageant uh, of everything that is college football. Uh, I'm actually going to pick Michigan Notre Dame. I, I've Love said it. before, I grew up. My mom's from Michigan. Uh, growing up around her her brother, she has six brothers. So growing up around those guys, they made us be Michigan fans when we were little kids and didn't know anything different. And Notre Dame is, I mean, it's the the church of college football. So those two schools, that rivalry, they have this fight about who actually invented football. Did it happen at Michigan? Did it happen at Notre Dame? Like, there's so much that goes into this, and it that game being Week One is is fantastic. It's going to be rocking, and, and even if both teams aren't what they used to be, you know, th- this isn't the mid '90s. Th- they're still two very very good teams. A lot of pride, very well, and exactly. There's a lot of pride. So if you are like not a college football fan, if you were an alien who came to Earth and you're like, hey, what's college football? I'm going to take you to that <laughs> game like that. and be like. This is college football. Like there's 120 fucking thousand people screaming their heads off. Uh, you got a bunch of fat guys coaching on the sideline like that. To me, that's college football. That's that is exactly it. The tailgate, the tradition. And like I said, the celebration with the pride of a victory. That's going to be a special game. We're in. For- yeah, and it's at Notre Dame, which is like, I mean, and it, it's going to be it's a night. It's a 630 game. So it's not going to be like pitch black there. But night games at Notre Dame are special. And you and I have been to one. It's just unbelievable. It really is like it's the Sistine Chapel of college football. You know, it's just like this is there's like a weird. It. And if you can ever go try to go whenever September, October, we were there in October one year. It was cold. It was cold. You walk around, though, and like this is so, so lame, but it smells and feels like football. It's there's it really no does. other way to explain it. And it's like, wow, this place was put on earth to play football. That's the reason why it's here. Yeah. And Michigan's a one and a half point favorite. It's going to be wild. So it's a tight game. I am with you that I think Michigan is the much better team. And I, like I said, I grew up rooting for Notre Dame. I still follow them closely. I expect Michigan to win this game, but wow, if Notre Dame wins this at home out of the gate, and I know they're the higher ranked team, it's going to be super exciting. So, and also for our listeners that have stuck by with us because they're NFL draft fans and NFL fans, and they're newer to the college scene. When you wake up Saturday, turn on game day. Don't get out of your bed or off the couch. Right. Just have some breakfast, maybe open a beer. I'm not saying that's what we're going to do, but maybe open a <laughs> beer by 10 o'clock. It is the greatest feeling, and I think it's the, the best pregame show in the world. Yeah, my uh, girlfriend actually asked last night. She's like, what time is Mello coming over Saturday morning? He's and sleeping over. <laughs> I was like, he'll be here at 9, and she's like, what time are you guys going to start drinking? And my daughter goes, 9.01. <laughs> she's so smart. It's like, oh, yeah, that's I, I raised you right. All right, buddy, that's, that's our show for this week. Like I said, this is a kick-ass week at Stick to Football because we have this show. You're going to hear it Wednesday morning. Thursday morning, you're going to get Connor with Matt Camp. They're going to be sitting together in studio doing our fantasy football preview special. And then Friday morning, you're going to get me and Mello previewing and picking the top 10 games from the college football weekend. We're going to finish our top 25 list for the, the AP put their list out. We made our own. We're going to finish it this week. If you guys want to connect with us, college football is here. I can't I can't stress how exciting it is. You can do so on Twitter at Stick to Football, on Instagram at Stick to Football. We're going live. We decided this morning, yes, we're going live anytime we're out at a game on the weekends. Also, when the Stick to Football Instagram account hits 2,500 followers and we're getting close, we're going to give away five care packages. That Love means it. like a hoodie, a t-shirt, bracelets, koozies, stickers. 
and in one of those care packages, I'm going to put a $100 bill in. Ooh. So make sure you're following the Sig Football Instagram account. We want to really grow that community as well. You can hit us on Reddit. Um, you can probably find us on Snapchat if you're really creative about it. I'm sure you can guess my username. Uh, and we want to really get back to that community feel of this show now that football season's here. So for Connor, for Whiskey producing the sucker, and for me, we'll talk to you guys real soon. Thank you.